We turn in God's Word this evening to the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. We'll be reading in Nehemiah 4, the first six verses. Nehemiah 4, verses 1 through 6, as we continue to uh, use the book of Nehemiah, make our way through it, uh, focusing on the prayers of Nehemiah. And we find another one here, the third of which is recorded. We looked at uh, two of them last Lord's Day evening. Now comes the third of Nehemiah's prayers. Let's hear then God's breathed out word to us. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry, greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. He said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads. and Give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. And let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Let's, let's bow in prayer once again. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, once again it is great that you have given us the opportunity to come to this place to sit before your throne and hear your words. Father, we do pray that you would give Pastor Bob the words to speak, clarity of mind, and that you would give us uh, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart that desires to follow after the words that we hear. We pray that we would be forever changed and better equipped to be builders in your kingdom. In your son's precious name we pray, amen. And amen. So the prayer that we're going to be looking at is in verses 4 and 5 of that fourth chapter. The section that begins, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. But in order for us to, to understand what it is that Nehemiah is praying about here, we, we've got to go back. Last Lord's Day, when we dealt with chapters 1 and 2, uh, we, we dealt with Nehemiah as he is in the capital of Susa of the Persian Empire. By the time we get to chapter 4, verse 4, and he's praying again, Nehemiah has gone to Jerusalem. He has left Susa. He has been given all sorts of provisions by the king. He's been given uh, the letters that he desired, and he's been given much more than that. And so Nehemiah has left. He has come to Jerusalem and in that second chapter of Nehemiah, he also goes out and inspects the walls. He goes out at night to find out what is going on, what actually is the situation that I am confronting. 
So he takes note of what is happening, takes note of what is taking place. So, first of all, the rebuilding. The rebuilding of this wall. In this rebuilding, one, Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem. Secondly, he encourages the people. Just turn back to chapter 2 for just a moment. Go down to verses 17 and 18. Now he's in Jerusalem. He's inspected the walls. They're all, they're all torn down. Nothing has been done. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. But he doesn't just tell them, come on, let's build, let's do this thing. Listen to the reason why. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. Now what is Nehemiah speaking of there in that 18th verse? He's speaking of his prayer. He's saying, I prayed, I prayed to the Lord about the situation of these walls, The king noticed that I was downcast and I prayed and the king answered my prayer. Now you see, these walls are all broken down. The gates are burned. But come on, we can rebuild. Why? Because God worked. I prayed. I prayed in Susa. And I prayed that the king's heart would be moved. And it was. Look, I got safe passage. Look, I got this stuff. We have permission. Let's do it. What happens? The people say, God answers prayer? Yeah, let's build. Let's do it. And the people began the rebuilding. Right? Verse 18. We hear them going about the work. They said, let us rise up and build. Chapter 3. The whole chapter is about the work that is done. Every little nook and cranny of that wall is talked about. Every single worker is spoken of. Nobody is missed. The whole chapter is about this progress of the wall. Who did what? Where they did the work. It's a beautiful chapter showing the cooperative effort of God's people working together. But you see, I think we need to understand that the background of that is a praying Nehemiah. A praying Nehemiah leads to an encouraged people who are about to work cooperatively of rebuilding the walls and putting the gates back up again with the timber that's being supplied by the king of Persia. Secondly, our second point tonight is there is a lot of rhetoric. Now that's what chapter 4 begins with. But if you go back to chapter 2, there's a first incident of rhetoric. Okay, So here we were at verse 18, 
They strengthened their hands for the good work. But, verse 19, when Samballat the Hornite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they jeered at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. We are his servants, will arise, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right and claim in Jerusalem. So there is, there's a first rhetoric. I, I, you know, sometimes God's providence is amazing, right? God's providence just startles us. Sometimes in huge ways, sometimes in just incidental little things. Pastor Bob is going to preach on Nehemiah chapter 4, the prayer of Nehemiah, and, and part of that is going to be about rhetoric, okay? Well, we heard a lot of rhetoric, didn't we, Tuesday night, okay? And we've heard a lot of rhetoric since. There's a lot of talk that goes around, and there's a lot of fiery darts that get fired around. Well, Nehemiah's situation is, there were some big fiery darts coming as well. In this first occasion, they bring out the, 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 the jeering do these enemies of the Jews. Notice Nehemiah's response. The God of heaven will make us prosper. Why does Nehemiah respond to the jeering and taunts of these guys with the God, our God, will make us prosper? Why? Because back in Susa, he prayed. And he saw the answer to prayer. He saw the hand of God at work because he prayed. See, if we don't have the prayer of Nehemiah here, then we just have sort of, the king said, Nehemiah, go home, and, you know, here's some stuff. And so Nehemiah comes back, faces some opposition, then it's sort of like, well, is this really the thing I should do or not? But you see, Nehemiah has prayed. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah, pilgrim in this barren land. And what's happened? God's guided. He's moved the heart of a king. He's got sign papers. He's got timber. He's got all sorts of stuff to rebuild. Somebody raises some opposition, some jeering from the back streets, you know, some bad news press comes out, a few bad tweets are made. Well, how does he respond? God's going to prosper us. I know that. I know God's going to prosper us because I prayed and look at the answer I received from the hand of God. But now in chapter 4, we have another incident, don't we? So now we have the second time of opposition. So what is said? Well, in verses 1 through 3, okay, we have these, once again, these enemies of the Jews. We have Samballot heard about the wall being built. He's angry. He's enraged. He jeers at the Jews. Now, why is he angry and upset? Because the wall of Jerusalem represents, once again, God's protection of his church, God's protection of his people. And Samballot is angry 
that these people would dare rebuild a wall that would afford them protection and a defense because, you see, he doesn't understand God's truth. He doesn't get it. He just sees this as some political thing going on. He sees this as some sort of nation-building thing again. He does not see the hand of God that is at work. He does not see God's truth. We mean God's truth. That after 70 years, my people shall come back and they shall rebuild this city. God's truth. He is angry about it. He is opposed to it. He belittles them. He mocks them. As the people of God, as God's chosen people, those who have been commissioned by God, those who have been ordained by God to build the walls of Jerusalem. He mocks them. And joining along with him is this Tobiah the Ammonite saying, what they're doing, we would say it's not going to amount to a hill of beans. We would say, this, this wall is so weak. Right? You know, foxes are known for how stealthfully they walk. Right? They walk carefully because they're Right, sneaking up on the hen house. Right? They're, they're unknown. They're quiet. They're light of foot. They're so light of foot, we don't even notice their presence. If they get on this wall, it's going to fall down. What you're doing is nothing. Now remember, this is the hand of God that is at work. So if you say, this is going to be nothing, what you're saying is, God, you don't know what you're doing. This is not a mockery of just the people there in Jerusalem. This is a mockery of the body of Christ. This is a mockery of the church. God's beloved. How does Nehemiah respond? That's our third point. Nehemiah's response. Well, first of all, note what he doesn't do. He doesn't retaliate. A couple of gentlemen could have learned that lesson. Perhaps we all could learn that lesson. Because I think what we saw Tuesday night is really just a reflection of the society. Regardless of where you are, this is the way we engage today. Notice what Nehemiah doesn't do. There is no name-calling. Boy, and I can think of some clever ones for Samballat and Tobiah. No name calling. No cut for cut. 
no ridicule, no threats, no tweets, no twits, or whatever else. What was that one from yesterday? What was the one yesterday? Oh yeah, no Snapchats. Nothing. Nehemiah understands the truth of Proverbs. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. You keep your mouth shut. In terms of them, there is no retaliation. Whether verbally or physically, he doesn't go over there and punch their lights out. He doesn't go over there, stalk over there. I'll show you, I'll teach you to mock God's people. There's no retaliation. Instead, as this rhetoric comes, what does Nehemiah do? He prays. He prays. Maybe there's one lesson for us to learn already from the prayers of Nehemiah part two. Maybe instead of answering a fool in his folly, we pray. Because it's a pretty powerful prayer. So let's look at it. Hear, O our God, For we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt. And let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. I want you to note three things. Regarding this prayer. One, Nehemiah prays honestly. He prays what's on his heart. He's not sitting there going, okay, let me think now. I am praying. What are the fancy words I need to use when I pray? Do I have to now change my tone? Oh, I got to have an adoration, I have to have a confession, I have to have a thanksgiving, I have to have a supplication. Without that, it's not a prayer. I've got to follow some sort of formula. No, he's in the middle of a crisis. What does the guy do? He just prays and he prays honestly about the circumstances he is in. He is so honest to us, it's almost embarrassing he's so honest. Oh, God, grant that you and I would become a little bit more honest when we pray to God. God sees our heart. He knows what's there. He knows what's in our mind. He knows a word before it's on our tongue. But somehow we, well, you know, when I pray, I better be a little careful about that. Now, honest, we need to be careful in terms of our respect to God. Notice, Nehemiah isn't calling out God. 
He's not charging God with some offense. When Job tried that, he had to deal with the face of God and the message of God. Who are you? Now, not Nehemiah, there is respect here. But there is honesty, brutal honesty. If we're going to walk away and learn from, from Nehemiah, from God's word, from God's truth, why does he give us this? It's so that perhaps we learn to pray honestly. We're struggling? Tell the Lord. We're upset? Tell the Lord. We're bewildered? Speak it. We're confused? God already knows you're confused. Pray it. There is a brutal, raw honesty to this prayer. Secondly, he prays corporately. Now, it's, it's small, but don't miss it. Hear, O oh our God, for I am despised. Nah. He's not thinking about Nehemiah. He's not thinking about him. For we are despised. He's praying, you see, the whole prayer out of a corporate context. He's not sitting there praying... You know, Lord, that really hurt what, what Sam Ballot and Tobias said about me. I'm the governor. I'm leading this project. And man, that just made me feel horrible. Lord, would you please visit their taunts upon them? No, the prayer could be prayed whether it's Nehemiah or not. Could have been any one of those workers listed back in chapter 3, couldn't it? We are the despised ones. How often in our prayers, I don't mean the formal congregation prayer. This is no formal congregation prayer in the midst of worship. This is Nehemiah praying personally, but when he prays personally, he prays corporately. How often do we do that? We bemoan the condition of the church. We bemoan the lack of influence that the church has upon our society. But how often do we pray corporately for the church. Is it all about me? Is it all about self? Is it all about my life? Is it all about my issues? Is it all about my problems? Is it all about my health, my concern? Now, folks, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there is not a place for us to pray that. But I think we'd probably be startled ourselves to hear our own prayers played play, play back to us and say, 
boy, that was an awful lot about me. Or it was an awful lot about my family. But it wasn't about the body of Jesus Christ. It wasn't about the church. But we are despised. Thirdly, this is perhaps the hardest part of the sermon. It's been the hardest, it was the hardest part for me to put together. It was the hardest blank for me to fill. Nehemiah prays biblically. He prays biblically. See, there are some who are going to read this prayer. And I can give you commentator after commentator who would do it. But certainly in our day and age. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their taunt on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight. For they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. And we go, should you pray that kind of prayer? It's kind of harsh, isn't it? Pray that their taunt go back on their own head. Isn't that vengeance? It would be, except for one little word. It would be, except for one small little pronoun. We. This is not Nehemiah praying for the vengeance of God for his sake, for his cause, for his position. This is Nehemiah praying. We, the body of Jesus Christ, is despised. Lord, what does that do to your great name? What does that do to the work of your son? Oh, yes, yes. Jesus says, Jesus teaches, pray for your enemies. I've said an eye for an eye, a tooth. I say to you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Yes. Personally, I should never be praying that somebody who makes me angry, somebody who mocks me, somebody who belittles me, that God nails them. That's right. That's what Jesus meant. That's what Paul means in Romans chapter 12 when he says, vengeance is mine. Don't you take it. Notice, no name calling, no beating them up. No retaliation. He prays. We are despised. And it is biblical to pray this way. I'll give you a list. Psalm 212. Psalm 7, verse 11. 
Isaiah 26, 21. Nahum 2, verse 6. Psalm 69, 19 through 28. But I want you to, I, I just want to take you to one passage. Turn with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 6. I chose this one because there, there might be the tendency to say, well, Bob, those were all old, most of those were all Old Testament passages, you know. All of that was before Christ. Okay, let me give you one that's post-Christ. Post-Christ teaching. Revelation chapter 6. Verse 9. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. Do you think they were persecuted? No. They cried out with a loud voice. Now notice where they are. Okay, they're not on earth. They're in heaven. They're under the altar of God. They cry out, O sovereign Lord, Holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Don't tell me that it's unbiblical to pray the prayer of Revelation 6.10. Lord, how long? Before those who have been martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ are avenged for their blood. How long before you come? I mean, personally, not my personal circumstance, not the guy who chopped off my head, not the guy who burned me alive. Lord, get him, would you? Get him. See, that's what Jesus is warning about. Don't make this personal. But understand the deep, treasured, wonderful relationship that we as the people of God have as being the body of Jesus Christ. What happens to us happens to his son for we are his body oh god we are despised are we not could could that prayer be uttered today you think the people in indonesia could lord we are despised you think it could be uttered in china Think it could be uttered in India? Think it could be uttered in Iran? Think it could be uttered in the United States? Oh Lord, we are despised. We, the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, is a despised thing by this world. We are taunted, we are mocked, we are laughed at. That which we do, People laugh at and think there is nothing to it. That which you have commanded us to do, go forth into this world. They laugh at, they mock. 
the worship that we bring. They imprison for. Oh God, we are despised. How long, oh Lord, before you avenge the blood of those who have been martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ? Oh, to be sure, we've got to remember the context. To be sure, we've got to remember the parameters that Jesus Christ has given to us and commanded us as believers. But that does not take away from the fact that those who are the enemies of the church have provoked the Lord Anger. The Lord is not pleased by the mockery and the abuse that his church takes. And as Nehemiah cries out in the face of that opposition, we too can cry out as the saints under the altar of God. How long, O Lord, before you avenge the blood of the saints? Rise up, O God. Not for my name, not for my sake. For your name's sake. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. For the glory and the honor that is due you. He prayed biblically. Thirdly, Nehemiah worked. <laughs> kind of interesting, isn't it? So they faced all this abuse, verbal abuse. It's going to get worse, but they faced the verbal abuse. Nehemiah prays. And, and verse 6 is just so matter of a fact then. So we built the wall. What did you do about Sanballat and Ammon? Prayed. Well, didn't you do anything to get No, we built the wall. We built the wall. We did what God commanded us to do. We did not turn from the task that we were given as the people of God. Our task was to build the wall. And in spite of the opposition, in spite of the mockery, we built the wall. See what prayer did? We built the wall. And then the explanation. And all the wall was joined together to half its height. They're going to finish this project in 52 days. It's phenomenal what they're going to do. 
Notice the next phrase of verse 6, for the people had a mind to work. Why are these people so encouraged in the face of opposition? Because they got a leader who prays. They got a leader who doesn't berate. They got a leader who doesn't retaliate. They got a leader who prays to Almighty God. He worked. I love that text. It says, get up off your knees. Get up off your knees and work. Build the wall. Do what God has commanded us as the church of Jesus Christ to do. Proclaim, shout the message of salvation. Be my witnesses. In spite of the opposition, don't answer the fool in his folly. Don't seek your own personal vengeance and revenge. Pray biblically to the Lord. And they finish the wall to half its height. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen. Amen. Father, we do thank you again. For you indeed are our strong tower. You are our refuge. You are the one to whom we run. You are our strong abode. Father, help us not to flee to our own selves, our own ingenuity, our own thoughts, our own measures of retaliation, our own vengeance. Help us to run. Help us to run to you. In Christ, God's people say, Amen.